And now we're joined by our Texas correspondent, Chewy, on the scene of America's latest natural disaster, the paralyzing blizzard and power grid failures in Texas. Chewy, tell us what's happening where you are. Hi, guys. Well, as you said, it's pretty bad here. (laughs) (laughs) Temperatures are falling, people dying frozen in their homes. Hey, Chewy, this is Munya in the studio in Seattle. Can you tell us how you are personally holding up? Well, it's it's cold. It's it's very cold. <laughs> but I'm Chewy, Chewy, Chewy. It's Brian. Uh, can you check in on my parents, man? I have not heard from them in days. They're old. They're frail. Uh, can you check in on them? Uh, you know, looking good, Chewy. <laughs> Feeling good, Ted. <laughs> <laughs> Another classic opening bit. Welcome back to Mechanical Freak. That the it's uh, I don't know how it goes. We're in Seattle. I'm on the boat. I don't care where anyone else is. Uh, <laughs> tonight, a very special presentation. Texas sucks when the lights go down in the Lone Star State. Uh, yeah, we're very. You know, you may have. We told you last week. I think uh, that on the Patreon available right now is a special texas sucks podcast from brian and our uh text live texas correspondent chewy uh starting like what we hope to be like a you know a semi-regular uh bonus uh bit of content about what's going on in texas that episode is a, actually just a rambling conversation about punk rock called <laughs> too punk to fuck um but this tonight we decided to really get texas sucks kicked off on the main feed for all our loyal listeners um, so, I, uh, you know, I'm Greg, I'm here with Brian, of course, uh, a Texan at heart. Munya is here tonight. Also hey. a Texan at heart. And <laughs> we've got, uh, Chewy. Chewy is here. Welcome back, Chewy. Thanks. Uh, you all know Chewy from previous, uh, Texas related installments, um, over the years, uh, and you know, Chewy, you know, we did a, we did a little funny there at the beginning where we <laughs> pretended you were in Cancun with, uh, Ted Cruz during the, uh, horrendous, uh, you know, blizzard and total failure of Texas's infrastructure last week. But in fact, uh, we have, we have you on tonight because you were actually in Texas and did experience all this firsthand. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'm just saying. Let's just. Ted Cruz had a decent plan. He he had a he had a okay. Um, <laughs> no, I, I I had just happened to leave the state uh, for recreational purposes, like days before the freeze came. 
So I missed all of that. I was in LA. Wow. Well, wow. well Chewy, you were telling me the other day wow. that you had friends in town, right? Friends in San Antonio, right? That are like, Chewy, the snow is great. You're missing out on all the fun, right? Yes. At first, even like uh, they were like gloating, like sending me pictures and everyone's Instagram back home was this winter wonderland. And then within like 48 hours, I checked back in and everyone was like this <laughs> like Mad Max apocalyptic hellhole with like, oh with like stories of like people having to like dig like fire pits to cook in the backyard. And it's was, uh, or like, yeah. you know, post like I haven't had water in for eight hours and then it turns into eight days. That's yeah, all fun Jesus. and snowmen until Lord humongous shows up at the gates. <laughs> demanding, <you know? laughs> demanding gas. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God. Okay. So yeah, that's what we're going to talk about tonight, everybody. Um, it's, you know, it's not the most, uh, immediately topical news because the entire country has already forgotten that yep. uh an entire u.s massive u.s state just completely like uh died uh just went literally off the grid um probably like we'll get to like a even like guessing at body counts for this but we're doing that because um you know brian and chewy have had a have had time to really dive into this and uh they know a lot about this stuff anyway and uh there's there's a lot to get into here, like into the details. Like we've all heard kind of the basics of like there's some something weird about how Texas power is regulated. Uh, corporations and uh, Republican governance are probably to blame. But like uh, there's more to it. So uh, the basics, there was a big ass storm that was very cold, like colder, unseasonably cold for Texas and also knocked out everybody's power. So. I mean, let's start there. Like, that's what everybody knows. What what happened? Like, what is up with the Texas power grid? Yeah, so, you know, we probably need to eat our vegetables first before we get into the true excitement of the storm itself and uh, talk a little bit about how we got here, right? Um, because I saw a lot of people that were uh, really excited on Twitter to, you know, talk about dead poor people in Texas and how funny it was for them and how they live in a blue state. So therefore it's cool, all that kind of shit. And really what's happening in Texas is sort of this national story, right? And, you know, it goes back to the late eighties and as a series of deregulations that began in 1989, when George H W Bush essentially told natural gas sellers that, Hey man, you know, those like price controls, don't worry about that. <laughs> like, you know, sell your natural gas for whatever you want to sell it for. Uh, George H.W. Bush had a little bird speaking in his ear at that time, a man named Kenneth Lay, who uh, would become a major character in uh, American lore later. But basically, prior yeah. to the 1980s... Well, I mean, in addition yeah. to just being like an oil man himself and deeply entrenched in American oil corporate yeah. politics well by that yeah. time so you know ken lay started his career in the nixon administration actually actually working on natural gas deregulation and then yeah. he uh you know just coincidence of coincidences uh began running natural gas companies uh including yeah. one in texas that would be named Enron. i mean i mean hw i mean <laughs> yeah. we all know oh, yeah, we all, Bush, ken yeah, lay yeah, from, yeah. But, yeah but hw yeah, Bush also is, an oil man yeah and bush so he knows all these uh you know he's very interested in energy deregulation for his own uh purposes but you know Basically, prior to the 1980s, the post-New Deal power order in America was that you had utility companies that were vertically integrated, meaning they owned everything from power generation to transmission to the retail <laughs> side of it. Uh, they 
were heavily regulated because they were what are called natural monopolies. Uh, they were regulated as far as price and things like that. And uh, their fuel, which was mainly natural gas and oil, was also heavily regulated as far as what you could sell it for. And in 89, Bush basically said, hey, what if we threw a, a little wrench in that works and just said, you know what, when it comes to natural gas, you can sell it at any price, which then led to a huge boom, obviously, in natural gas power plants. But the real, the real shit... <laughs> ends up coming just a few years later in 92 when George Bush says signs another bill where he says you know what uh, maybe having vertically integrated utility companies is a bad idea because then there's no market so now power plants can operate independently of everything else and they can sell their power on a market right as opposed to being just tied to some sort of local utility contract oh a market that like mystical device we use to efficiently distribute goods that we don't wouldn't otherwise know how to distribute exactly such as things that literally every human being needs like mm -hmm. energy well when it's something that everyone desperately needs and society needs to function it's best to have the uh, worst people on the planet control it and set the price <laughs> but in 1995 you know texas basically jumps in and says okay we they deregulate all their wholesale energy market and basically say all power generators you're on your own now you get to you know you're not attached to these local contracts anymore you can sell your power to whoever you want and for however much you know money you want to sell it for uh, this, of course, immediately leads to an enormous dip in power generation in the state of Texas, because in the past, when you know you had these well-regulated utilities, uh, they would have to keep excess power on the grid just in case of you know a fucking emergency or something. And, but once you're selling things on the market, you no longer have to keep that excess power, right? You, in fact, it's, you're disincentivized from keeping it. So Texas, like power generation in Texas immediately collapses. And by like 98, they're starting to talk about like, dude, we have a serious problem. Like just summertime could lead us to rolling blackouts like as a constant, you know, state of affairs, uh, which is what happens in California for all the same reasons. And then wait, sorry. So for in summertime, is that because of like air conditioning yeah. and stuff? Or? Yeah. Yeah. It's because yeah. like, yeah, okay. the increased uh, drain on the grid from air conditioning. Um but yeah, so basically then the uh, the FERC or the Federal Energy Regulation Commission uh, passes a order 888, you know, because 666, I guess, was taken and basically <laughs> says, you know what, uh, not only should utility companies debundle, meaning they should break up the sort of vertical integration of utility companies, but actually they encouraged it and told them that transmission carriers, so these are the people who operate the utility lines, should give, uh, you know, fair pricing, which means just one price to all utility or to power generators. Uh, this is important because in 1999, Texas says, well, the real problem with us not generating enough power anymore isn't this law we just passed that immediately led to this problem. It's that we haven't deregulated enough. Not enough things are subject to the market. And this is really a long way to go, which is kind of required, to explain how the Texas power grid is set up. Because it's not set up in any rational fucking way. <laughs> and you kind of have to understand it to understand the problem we're going to get into. So the Texas power grid basically has these three components that will always be talked about, but a little fourth guy that's hiding in the wings. And that's energy generation. So these are just power plants, right? And they're completely separated from everything else, right? And they get to sell their power to whoever wants to buy it. Uh, 
There's energy transmission, which are the owners of the power lines, transformers, substations, etc. And they essentially have to carry the power, right, from place to place. And they actually become heavily regulated, which is very funny. And we'll get into it in a second. And there's retail, which, again, is completely separate from the other two. And they're the ones who essentially charge you as the customer and essentially deal with the price gouging between these other two elements. And then there's the fourth shadow partner, which is your fuel providers, which is your natural gas and oil providers, who also get are completely deregulated, get to charge whatever they want. So in this sort of four-part system everybody's deregulated and essentially can do whatever they want, except for the transmission companies who are forced to do what they call postage stamp pricing, which uh, Texas realized quickly, like, well, if you're a power plant in Lubbock and you want to sell power to Houston, the cost of sending, you know, power 600 miles over utility lines uh, might make that, you know, prohibitive. And that would hurt the market, having to actually pay. (laughs) to do something would hurt the market. So they created postage stamp pricing, basically telling the transmission companies, uh, no matter what distance people want to push their power across your lines, you have to charge them the same rate. So whether it's coming from the power plant, you know, just outside of Houston or from all the way on the other side of the state, the transmission companies have to charge the same rate, meaning that now the transmission companies literally have zero incentive to build any more infrastructure. Right. So like at this point, they're just going to sit on what infrastructure exists and uh, they're going to let it just burn up. Um, So on top of these four pieces of the uh, utility, you know, the utility infrastructure, we have our regulatory components, which we'll mention occasionally, which is uh, ERCOT or the Energy Regulation Commission of Texas, which controls and manages the flow of energy across the power grid and essentially acts as like a manager, essentially, of all this shit and schedules power on transmission lines and things like that. There's the Public Utilities Commission or the PUC, which is the pretend regulatory agency that really has no power over anything except the transmission companies. And really, the only power they have there is to like force them into not overcharging people for doing stupid things. And then the Texas Railroad Commission, which uh, in theory regulates oil and natural gas wholesalers, uh, but really doesn't do anything <laughs> at all. So it's, at some point, they basically used to set the price of oil basically yeah. nationally, right? Yeah. So nationally, they would set the price that natural gas and oil could be sold to utilities. And of course, they would set the price low so that people, you know, didn't die in winter storms and whatnot, right? <laughs> you didn't have exactly what we're seeing here. But once they deregulated it, uh, at the urging of uh, Enron in particular, all of a sudden, all these natural gas companies, it became a really big deal for natural gas in particular, just because you could buy it cheap and then sell it dear, right? Uh everybody got in the game, right? So like all these big banks are (laughs) jumping in and the natural gas markets and stuff because they all realize that you can price gouge the fucking hell out of people. And uh, of course, that's immediately what they start doing. So cool. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) The system works. And yeah, and I mean, there's a, a few things that you hear constantly when reading articles about the Texas power situation was, you know, talking about energy wholesaling, energy only markets and stuff like that. And basically all that means is for power generators, they only people who own the power plants. They only get paid for the power that they put on the grid. 
So they're literally every incentive is for them not to build any redundancy into the system and to not prepare for any sort of, uh, you know, bad thing happening. Right. And uh, the wholesaling just means that now companies on the retail side can basically offer people cheap rates based off of like, look, we'll uh, look at every power plant's pricing today and we'll just hook you up with the cheapest power plant that's producing power in the day. And this will give you uh, cheap utility bills. Uh, we're going to find out that that uh, this disruption of the market, particularly from app companies like Gritty, uh, ends up not really working in the long run. But yeah, so that's because basic, well, because <laughs> presumably because it's a market and like the if everyone has access to the same to the products from like no matter where they come from, like the price is going to level out. Some, yeah, like it's going to and it's going to be high. Well, and one of the things that actually the utilities find out very quickly is early on. So once they deregulate all this shit in Texas, again, all the banks comments like Blackstone Group is buying up power plants in Texas. Right. Um, mm. Lehman Brothers, <laughs> Lehman Brothers joins up with Goldman Sachs. It's like the slimiest yeah. fuckers in Wall Street. <laughs> yeah. And KKR by 2000, I think it's six. They purchased the largest uh, power generator in the state of Texas. Right. And, and did they do so it was like a joint venture, like all yeah. three of them, like KKR and Blackstone and everyone yeah, did they, that as a joint venture. Blackstone's not on that one, but KK Blackstone and KKR own their own power company. And then KKR oh, wow, okay. comes in with Lehman Brothers and Goldman Sachs and I think two other companies or two other uh, equity firms and essentially purchase what was called TXU, which then becomes Luminant Energy, which is the largest power provider in the state of Texas. And Everybody is pumped. Warren Buffett's in on this shit. Warren Buffett's one of their major investors and is, you know, talking about what a great deal this is all going to be. And after a few years, you know, everybody, you know, part of the reason everybody's pumped is because this little thing happens in 2003 called the Iraq War, a completely unavoidable disaster that the U.S. could not do anything but engage in. And it pushes energy prices up for a while. Don't look into that, listeners. <laughs> yeah. and Don't go to the Wikipedia. Don't type <laughs> Iraq War on Wikipedia. Yeah, exactly. By the late aughts, though, energy prices are coming back down again. The Saudis are flooding the oil market, stuff like that. So if you're a power generator, the, you know, it, it, you know, it, it's looking you know good for you but it's making it a little hard to price gouge people right so what they find though is this, this little secret and they find this out during a winter storm in 2011 which is when things are good you don't really make a lot of money selling power to people but when things are bad you make a whole lot of money selling power to people and essentially what happens is is there the PUC puts in this uh price cap that basically tells energy creators that basically uh, you can only sell your energy at uh, that has a max of $6,000 per megawatt that you could sell your energy at, right? Or per megawatt hour. And uh, it typically is around $50 per megawatt hour at any general time, but you can push it up to 6000 if you want to. That's and, a big fucking hike. Yeah, it is. But in 2011, like at that point, you might as well say, "Oh, the cap is a million dollars per." <laughs> yeah. Well, hilariously, hour. after the windfall in 2011, all the uh, utilities companies get together and they say, "You know that six thousand dollars we charge people per megawatt hour, or charge your know, retailers per megawatt hour? What if we got more?" 
And so they went to this Texas state legislature and had them uh, essentially lean on the PUC, which is appointed by the governor of Texas. Uh, but essentially, they get it pushed up to $9,000 per megawatt hour. Um, but yeah, when they the going really- rate normally at a yeah. normal time is $50. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, so, a, that's, an, that's an incredible upper limit. Even 6000 and basically, they need an excuse to be able to hit that upper limit. And, you know, storms make great excuses. And every time there's a storm now, they all immediately push it up to the upper limit and uh, basically rake in huge windfalls. So what the power companies learn is that there's a huge incentive for the, inf- the power infrastructure to not work. So interesting. <laughs> yeah. So th- okay. That- so <laughs> that sort of brings us up to speed. I feel like we've yeah. got like a whole system that's based on uh, gouging, which is essentially like a. It's re- that's really like a political phenomenon, right? Like yeah. they're using sort of do they they come to find that they've got there's no longer any real regulation in the price, so they can. Uh, say it whatever it is they want it to be and they're using like they find they can use the disasters as basically political cover because Mm -hmm. they can say some mystical thing like oh well there was a lot of demand or something but like how much yeah but so but has anyone like correlate like it it doesn't seem reasonable that the demand even in a like you know sub freezing temperatures could be on a scale as to justify like uh, a hike from fifty dollars to nine thousand a kilowatt hour, nine thousand like, is ridiculous. I mean, like to really put that in perspective, that's like I mean, I you can't really appreciate that until like if you have like fifty dollars and then suddenly you have like nine thousand <laughs> yeah. dollars. Like yeah. you know, the way to think about it is if you're if you went to the grocery store and you had bought all your groceries ahead of time and they told you the price was fifty dollars and then when you got there they told you the price was nine thousand dollars. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, it's it's an inc- and it's basically in. The way but Texas- there wasn't there was they can't really say like so I mean like there's a mystification here that there's essentially like yeah. a political psychological thing going mm-hmm. on here because like they can't really actually if you actually made them sit down and say like there was that percentage more demand on the system and oh, which, yeah. that this is not true yeah there's no real way to explain this so what they did is they leaned on some economists to you know step in and explain this to the legislature because of course. For some reason, again, that nobody knows, uh, nobody knows why or anything like that. But uh, winter storms in Texas have been getting increasingly severe and more frequent, uh, along with really bad summers, which also put stress on the grid. Uh, Scientists are looking into it. Nobody knows why. But uh, one of the sort of things that they that basically the so the Texas legislature is constantly going on about these spikes and energy costs and their explanation is always well this is how a market works you know if uh, you need more power in the grid right so an emergency you need more power to hit the grid uh, we have to incentivize that by allowing them to raise the cost right which forgets the fact I mean one forgets the fact that price gouging is a thing but also forgets the fact that when you're talking about power on a power grid, you're talking about, you know, whether people's like dialysis machine in the hospital keeps running 
or whether people like die in their houses of the cold, you know, of, of freezing weather, you know, um, that it's literally our healthcare market, right? Where you're, you're essentially saying like, look, if we want these power companies to keep living the lifestyle that they have, we're going to have to allow them to kill, you know, huge numbers of people on occasion. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and it, literally the power system is set up to do that. Like that, okay. that is its function. Yeah. So in this version of the story, the best case scenario for everyone, for all the power companies and the citizens who are participants in the glorious market would be that, you know, when a uh, weather event comes along that that demands more power be generated, uh, they have a choice to pay more if they want to stay warm or cool if they need to, you know, and the market will then determine like the people who need it most will be willing to like hospitals and old people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we'll, we'll put in that extra cash and other people will be like, nah, you know what? Not, not today. I'll <laughs> shiver or sweat today. And, you know, maybe if I, if I need a break, I'll, I'll, you know, throw out the extra like $700 for, to run my AC for an hour. <laughs> um, and everybody's happy. So I, what I'm, and then, you know, the, the companies get to price gouge and the market works and everybody gets what they want. So what I'm confused about is when this storm came along, what what happened that that doesn't seem to be how it worked out right like we're taught hearing stories about people getting like charged ludicrous amounts of money uh for their power usage that they did have but a lot of people were just fucking without power so what what's <laughs> what's the fucking story there like why didn't this uh like miracle of capitalism go down as planned or did it <laughs> <laughs> I guess I will jump in now since I'm sure Brian's tired after that extensive research. <laughs> and that, uh, um, I'm going to take a nap. Yeah, yeah. You, you deserve it, buddy. Okay, so let's first, as far as like before we get into what happened, let's go into like a little bit of the history of like prior winter storms and the effect it had. So as was like two years you will hear already, it was 2011, which was a severe winter storm that swept through Texas. And then 2014, uh, not counting this one that just happened, right? So in 2014, that company that uh, Brian had talked about, that uh, Luminant, yeah, Luminant, yeah, they, which is one of the biggest power providers in the state, uh, in 2014, uh, something similar happened where their generators continued to fail over the course of 12 hours, and it brought the state's electric grid close to complete failure, right? So as a result of this, there was an investigation from the PUC that Brian had mentioned. But the reason why it finally had an investigation, because this was the second time this had happened, because in 2011, uh, it was the same thing. In the, in the prior cold snap, uh, there's already rolling blackouts and the same story it was uh, pushed to the brink. So PUC did a study. And basically, they concluded that these uh, the power generating companies uh, like Luminant and some of the other ones like uh, Brazos and all that they had um, I'm quoting they had failed to understand the critical failure points that could cause oh, equipment. they failed to understand yeah yeah, yeah of course yeah <laughs> classic yeah and these were like uh, for the equipments that would uh, make them stop working in cold weather. So they had said that they failed to read the labels. Yeah, they just <laughs> or just didn't understand how weather works apparently. But um so they they wanted to push for updating and basically winterizing 
all their all the infrastructure for uh, for the electricity. But of course, the company the company fought it. Luminant fought it, and their uh, excuse was or their response of why this was unreasonable to go through and winterize and update their infrastructure was because uh each weather event is dynamic so any <laughs> so any engineering changes would be useless because that was that would be specific just for that one particular weather event <laughs> which obviously is is dumb because like i mean at base cold weather works in a specific way regardless like yeah. like yeah. winter storms work a certain way every well, time it's, it's, it's like the equivalent of the basically say each bullet wound is dynamic so right. who's to say whether getting shot is good or bad yeah like yeah we need a different procedure for each gunshot wound yeah. like a totally different procedure and that's just unreasonable so yeah so uh but you know as brian had said you know the puc is pretty neutered you know they're pretty powerless so um they actually backed down after a lot of pushback and so the the PUC just the, the agreement was fine just fix pre-existing conditions which was the exact like verbiage that they used I don't know what those pre-existing conditions could have been because it mm-hmm. still left the grids susceptible to this these cold snaps so then uh additionally in 2011 and 2014 there was a federal report involved with this as well not just at the state level and they had the same recommendations, but still just no one listened. The lawmakers refused to pass any laws to also ensure adequate reserves of power, which is going to tie into why also this could have been avoided. So basically, like as Brian was saying, with the um, you're like incentivized just to sell, 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 sell. And so without mm-hmm. without. So, yeah, I guess in, as a business in business wise, why keep a reserve when that's money? That's just money sitting there that you could push. Yeah. And I mean, any reserve you keep, you're just throwing away. Right. I mean, yeah. you know, it's like, it's like why make a hundred sandwiches if only 80 people are going to show up. Right. <laughs> and, uh, and the thing is, I mean, that 2014, uh, storm in particular, like really struck home for a lot of these power companies that this is the gold mine, right? And so there's this great quote from uh, Centerpoint Energy in Houston talking to investors, uh, Joe McGoldrick, one of their reps, talking to investors basically says, quote, to the extent that we get another polar vortex or whatever, absolutely we'll be opportunistic and take advantage of those conditions because <laughs> they had just reported a windfall profit for their investors off of this. So it's not like cool. uh, we don't have to speculate that the utility companies realize that this whole system uh, produces a lot of you know profits for them. They are openly telling people like, you know, they're just going around with the money guns, just shooting hundreds, you know, through the office. <laughs> um, it's shocking that capitalist yeah. enterprise is not does has no motivation to uh, build a robust system of infrastructure for the good of. Uh, mankind. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but they're really just waiting around to prey on us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You wouldn't think that would be the case, and and it's worth noting that there was several times that bills were proposed in the Texas state legislature to do things like, you know, not have the governor appoint the three people in charge of the PUC, right? The only like regulatory commission that exists, right? Uh, to bring ERCOT under like more state control, depending on what the day is and what they're trying to do. Like ERCOT claims to either be a private or a public enterprise, uh, and nobody is really sure what they are. Uh, but there, there's been like efforts to try and 
do some of this stuff and it always gets shot down. Like not nothing, you know, nothing can get through the legislature because all the utility companies will go to war to stop it. So that leads into the week into the weekend where we had that cold snap. So basically as far as like why or how this happened, there's 254 counties in Texas and there were or, or 254 that were under that severe weather advisory warning. So this once it swept through, uh, as opposed to like a handful where they could try and divert power, it's just mm-hmm. all all needed that demand or created that demand at once for electricity and power. And so they're just it just that's why they're just spread so thin by intent by selling everything that there just wasn't enough. Uh, there wasn't enough energy. There just wasn't enough. It was supply and demand. There just wasn't enough. Yeah. And, and it's just exacerbated by the fact that they didn't have to keep any reserves, which would have helped. Yeah. And since Texas had to be so independent, we couldn't even <laughs> we couldn't even get excess energy from other grids yeah. because we're like a, we're Jesus. an island. So yeah, what's that about? Yeah, that's, that's something that went around quite a bit. Yeah, and I mean, you know, that goes back to, you know, the basically 1950s and 60s. But yeah, I mean, it, you know, the basic story is true that it was to avoid federal regulation. <laughs> like, I mean, just plain and simple. Like, they didn't want to be subject to federal regulation at any point. And so they decided they were going to make their own grid. And, uh, you know, one <laughs> major Texas city wasn't on that grid, and that was El Paso. And El Paso, you know, they had 3,000 residents during the storm lose power. 2,000 got it back within five minutes and the other 1,000 got it back within, you know, a couple hours, right? And, you know, wow. uh, <laughs> they, of course, had had a, during the 2011 winter storm, it had power outages uh, and, you know, weaknesses in their power generation and transmission were shown, uh, but they were forced to actually address those weaknesses and uh, winterize their plants, whereas nobody else in Texas was. So you were having power plants or gas power plants where the gas lines, you know, the pipelines going to the plant were literally freezing, you know, so the whole thing just shut down. Um, yeah. You know, stuff that was entirely predictable. It's not, not even just a capacity it. question. Yeah. yeah. But and, literally just a total vulnerability to the elements. And there'll probably be more coming out on this. I mean, some plants definitely went down because of vulnerabilities and things like that. And then, you know, like Luminant was asked by uh, the Austin American statesman, about like, hey, you know, how many of your plants went down and was it because of weather events? And they chose to be extremely coy about it, which, uh-huh. you know, is partially them avoiding the blame for not winterizing their plants. But, you know, if uh, a little power goes off the market, you know, you can get that $9,000 per megawatt hour price, show, you know, shoved through, then, you know. You get the money, you get the windfall, right? Yeah. So there is a, there's a built-in incentive to create a crisis, you know. So yeah, were people pulling power off? Who knows? Probably will never yeah. know, to be honest. And also, it's still even with that lack of like the supply being too. I mean, the demand being too high for the supply. Mm. A lot of that wouldn't have gone. These lines wouldn't have gone down if they had just winter like prepared for yeah severe winters. That that's right. like really the crux of it. It's just exacerbated by a huge yeah. uh, demand out of, out of nowhere. 
Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's basically like failures at every level. Yeah. I mean, all the natural gas providers, which a huge number of the plants in Texas are natural gas, the natural gas providers raise their price for natural gas, which they're not regulated. They're not, they have no cap on what they could sell for. And like CPS in San Antonio, which is one of only two uh, vertically integrated utilities left in the state, they had to apply for a special license to maintain it. Uh, they basically saw the cost of natural gas for their plant increase by, I think, 10,400% over within uh-huh. hours. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so, you know, just failures at every level. Um, but luckily, you know, in the in the months leading up to the storm, I mean, literally in January, ERCOT had released an extreme weather reliability assessment where they were like, uh, oh, they say, quote, ERCOT's review of plants indicates that the majority of plants are following weatherization plans. Oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot that. Um. (laughs) The week before the storm, the uh, ERCOT had a meeting, a big meeting that was like three hours long, and they spent 40 seconds discussing the uh, upcoming winter storms and what they might do about it. (laughs) Yeah, I forgot to mention that, too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they spend a chunk of the time in the meeting – they were changing members on the board and talking about the big cowboy boots that the new member was going to have to fill. (laughs) (laughs) They spent more time on that than on this uh, winter storm coming. Not to say that there's a huge incentive for power to go off the market due to a storm, uh, but nobody seemed to be too concerned. And not to say that they were not big boots that the guy wore before. That's just, that's objectively (laughs) true. He had very large boots on. Well, one of the weird rules of ERCOT is they have like a 12 member board. And one of the weird rules is you do, there's one pair of boots for every seat, you know, (laughs) and you do have to wear them. Like, you know, when, when the one person goes out, you come in and you gotta, you gotta wear the previous boots. At least something gets capped at ERCOT and this who can wear (laughs) boots. Yeah. Yeah, They don't want any uh, excessive boot purchases. (laughs) So, So, okay. So what, so tell us a bit about the storm itself then. Like what actually happened? People's, some people were without power for a long time. Sounds like some people like like, uh, people died. Yes. Some people, some areas, at least in San Antonio, some areas of town never lost power. Some had no power up to eight days. Some just, you know, two or three days, but it was a huge amount of people without power than people that actually got lucky and still had power. Yeah, I think at 1.4 million people in the state have lost power for more than a day. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, I mean, huge, huge numbers of people. And there were some, I mean, because people had pictures that were going up on social media of like downtown Houston, all the skyscrapers lit up and then all the neighborhoods surrounding are like black, you know, from yeah. having no power. There were similar pictures in Austin and San Antonio. San Antonio yeah. And it was kind of interesting because when they asked, you know, all these papers then started asking the utilities and ERCOT and stuff like, well, how did you decide who got power and who didn't? And past them saying like, look, we had to prioritize like hospitals getting power. They really couldn't explain why other people had power. <laughs> and like <laughs> there wasn't a very good explanation to ever given. And, you know, I think it speaks to just the like lack of preparation and just pure chaos. I mean, they've created this very anarchic system that they try and, you know, in quotes, control. And there really is no rhyme or reason other than if you live in a poor neighborhood, don't worry, you didn't have power. (laughs) That that rule still applies 100%. And then eventually they had to issue like a water boil notice for San Antonio at least too. So some people really got screwed. Like I think even some people, even after at least in Houston, I had some friends that even after the power came back on, the water 
didn't, they still didn't have water for like even a week after that. So it, everything fell apart. So there are problems with the water systems freezing as well then being damaged. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, people forget that it it takes pumps to move water around the city. And what was happening was, is the, they were losing power to the pumps, which meant that the heaters on the pumps that kept them from freezing also, you know, didn't make it. And so the, uh, water pumps would just freeze. And so like my parents where they were at, uh, you know, they not only didn't have power for four days, but they didn't have water for four days either, you know, uh, cause it just couldn't get to the house. Jeez. And, and it's, um, you know, you, you forget how much of uh, society, modern society functions only because of, uh, electricity mm-hmm. <laughs> until an event like this. Yeah. Uh, so it was also, it also got like very cold though, right? Like there were some like prolonged sub-zero temperatures. Yes, uh, I think like even like the middle of the day was like seven degrees or something insane. Uh, so Jesus. it was uh, yeah. What well, is and Chewie can attest to this. Nobody in San Antonio is ready for forty degree weather, yeah. much less seven degree. <laughs> yes, weather. absolutely. You know? Yeah, I'm not ready just, for seven degree weather. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's like stories of people like having to put their insulin in the snow because they had no way to keep it refrigerated and people moving all their food out and just packing it in the snow, trying to keep it from going bad. Cause the grocery stores were also like this Mad Max uh, apocalyptic hellhole. Like I would see on, on stories on Instagram from friends and it was like these insanely long lines just weaving around the grocery store just to get in. And then pictures of like the aftermath where like everything was gone, even Stuff like tofu and stuff, which normally mm. is the last to go. Like everything was just depleted. I thought this didn't happen under capitalism. <laughs> I thought that only this happened under brutal right. communism. Well-known socialist hellhole of Texas. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I mean, and I, and I'm afraid to say, I, I think that's going to be the lesson that comes out of this is that more, more market is needed. That that was the actual problem. But you know, I mean, there was one grocery store that was in the hill country. It was an HEB. I can't remember what the town was, but when the power went out, like the grocery store was packed full of people, like huge grocery carts full of shit. And the grocery store workers just said, fuck it. Everybody can go. Yep. And everybody just left with all their groceries. And yeah. uh, shout out to those grocery store workers. Yeah, well, also yeah. a few groups of people that like, uh, you know, uh, they're all going to get fired. The right thing. Probably. But, you know, uh, they decided Those to be praxis, king- baby. Yeah, they were kings for a day. Um, yeah, yeah. Hell yeah. But I mean, it, it's kind of interesting when the storm happens. You know, San Antonio is, you know, they like to call themselves the seventh biggest city in the country, which you know has to do with how cities are measured. Or but San Antonio has like three million people. And it's a big fucking city. And uh, the mayor, when asked by the newspaper, like, hey, what was the preparation for the storm? The San Antonio's mayor was like, hey, we had a special meeting on Sunday to talk about what to do with the storm. But, you know, ERCOT wasn't telling us anything. As far as we knew, they had it all under control. And we just, all we were talking about was like, what are we going to do about road conditions and the inevitable, you know, 5,000 car wrecks and all this kind of stuff. And he didn't realize that San Antonio had been completely cut off, you know, huge section of San Antonio had been completely cut off from the grid until he woke up in his own house freezing at like four in the morning uh, because his power was out. And then he had to go to basically, you know, his office, the mayor's office and figure out what the fuck was going on. And the thing was, ERCOT didn't tell anybody that they were literally on the verge of collapse and (laughs) that they basically almost, 
according to them, they were just minutes away from a disaster that would lead to months of power outages across the state. Uh, and at 3 a.m., they basically just started cutting off huge sections of the grid to prevent that. But, you know, ERCOT's trying to spin this as some sort of heroic story on their part, like, you know, hey, you know, if I hadn't been there when Chernobyl was melting down, but the problem was, it's like, well, it's not supposed to melt down in the first place, man. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, like, <laughs> right. But that's the political <laughs> element of this. That's the, like yeah. the crux here is you mystifying the, how the market is working here with this storm, you know, like it's this, uh, totally exogenous random event that can't be predicted or understood that we just sort of exist through. You know, mm-hmm. rather than something that's obviously totally predictable and should be a part of uh, like planning for all infrastructure. I mean, like a fucking I don't know, like a pandemic, for example. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, just pull one out of my hat, you know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, OK, so so let's go down the list of like what this has caused, like for people in people's lives, like. Starting with the utility bills. So, well, right now, at least in San Antonio, there's um, – I'm not sure how it is in Seattle. But uh, in San Antonio, there's just one electric electricity provider. So right now, they had released a statement saying that the customer wouldn't see a huge increase in their bill because they're, they're going to basically – right now is what they're tossing out is that they're going to – kind of finance, we're going to have to pay for this over the next 10 years. So it's like taking on like a extra note, like an extra mortgage. Like we're going to, we're going to, we're going to, we basically all of citizens of San Antonio are on a 10 year note now to pay off yeah. this, for, to pay for this stuff that half of us didn't even have. So that's yeah. cool. Yeah. Amazing. And it should be noted that, yeah, we're going to, their plan is to, to spread. So yeah, CPS basically got charged over a billion dollars for natural gas mm-hmm. over the course of four days. And uh, yeah, they're going to spread it over 10 years. We've had, what, four severe winter storms in the last 10 years in Texas, Chewy, mm-hmm. right? Because of 2011, 14, 18, 18 and yeah, now. Yeah. But don't worry, there won't be another one in the next 10 years. No, absolutely so further not. No, 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 problem, no, no, no problem. You know? no. And like your pe- the, the, I mean, it's insult to injury, right? Like a yeah. ton of people were without power that they're now going to, even those people are going to pay out the nose for it. I'm sure there are people in Texas who literally have like, sounds like San Antonio is different, but like other places where they're like less insulated directly to these like vampiric power companies (laughs) probably have like $30,000 power bills for the two days during this, that they did have power. Oh yeah. And then also were out of power for six days. Right. uh, Real quick. It should be clear. We should make clear real quick that, San Antonio and Austin are unique in the state of Texas in that back in 1999, they applied, which you had to do, applied for special permission to continue to run a vertically integrated utility monopoly for the city, right? So they basically had to apply for special permission to run a functional utility. Um, but Publicly. Re- yeah, but the rest of the state, no. Yeah, so like, uh, <laughs> so like Houston, for example, they have like a ton of different... Uh, energy companies you can go through and they what they had said is cool, yeah i want to get my 
power from a startup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it sounds cool. Uh, but uh, from an app I download and pay with pay for with PayPal. <laughs> you, you know, I mean, you're not far off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not. Wrong. Where's the lie? But um, so, so a lot of times, a, a common pricing structure, at, at least in Houston. I can't attest to like Dallas or anything else, but uh, you can have two options, which one is you pay a flat rate, right? Like it's just a X amount per the electricity you use. Another option is you get charged less during the day uh, up until a certain peak hour. So like from like five o'clock to 9 p.m., 5 p.m. to 9 p.m., it's at a premium, right? So they're saying the people that have chosen that price plan are the other ones that are going to really get reamed because already that's because that's in the fine print yeah right? it was like, already yeah. you're already They're already yeah yeah and, but but they were saying though oddly enough that the people that had have elected for the fixed rate they actually won't see any uh huge uh jumps in their uh in their bill, which I'm sure they're going to fix the 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 yeah. verbiage on that contract now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I suspect well, in their contract there was probably some upper and lower limits or whatever, yeah. and the power companies really cared about the lower limit, not yeah. realizing what's, the upper limit yeah. is going to be. Well, the issue. what's funny is those p- types of plans, which I don't know honestly. I've almost I've never had a power bill in Washington State, uh, only in California. <laughs> yeah, um, but. Uh, Voter lifestyle. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly, man. Um, it's all all included. Um, I've only ever lived in like chop houses in Seattle before I lived on the boat, like before and after I was in LA. So, uh, you know, I also never had a power bill. But um, I don't know how, like, I don't know how we do it here then, really. So, but I mean, I think a lot of those plans where you have the peak hours um, were sold to people a lot. I know certainly in California, I know like P- PG&E in Northern California made like a, this is part of a big push they did years ago to w- were sold as cost and energy savings mm-hmm. was sold as green were sold as ways to like save your power by getting on this plan so that you were in control of when you, you know, so yes, uh, power in the afternoon was most expensive because that's when people were using their ac but you know if you didn't need to use it you wouldn't have to plus hey you know what so that everybody could use their ac you could choose to do your laundry at midnight um and run your dishes uh you know uh at 6 a.m when you wake up and then you could make those those uh sound market choices and then you know when you needed to when you really needed to you could still run your ac and you would just pay a little more in the afternoon or you could run it in the morning and cool your house down you know that these are sold as green energy saving and money saving things to get onto to people right Th- like i'm that's assume, what assuming it's the same in texas i had pg and e when i was in bakersfield in california literally one of the most evil organizations in the history of the world yeah mm-hmm. uh, that's but i they're the people who are the bad guys in Aaron Brockovich. They blew up that neighborhood <laughs> like 10 years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they, they 
are the cause of uh, some of the biggest wildfires in the history of the world yes. by letting their hundred year old um, power transmission lines just like fall apart and arc across like so, the, the high desert. Yeah. So the reason why that happens, Greg, by the way, is there that California has the same setup that Texas has, right? Texas yeah. is a little more deregulated, but basically they put all the regulation on the transmission lines. And so everybody stopped building transmission infrastructure and just mm-hmm. started overloading it. And, you know, uh, again, just pointing to the uh, wonderful way that America is slowly dying at the end of empire. But yeah, yeah sorry, has, go ahead. Have <laughs> any Texas power companies literally exploded, violently exploded an entire suburban neighborhood full of people? <laughs> it's <laughs> very funny that nobody talks about that. I mean, I remember that was like 2012 or something. Like everybody's just like, yeah, that, you know, a, a, a utility just blew up a neighborhood. <laughs> yep. Yep. Well, in 2013, I worked for that. No, no, no. In 2012, uh, I worked for that company. Um, I did a a commercial like online series for them, which is how I know I already knew about them. And then I was like, oh, I need to do a deep dive. Aren't these the people? Oh, yeah, sure enough. Worst worst job I ever did. Save power by just staying in your bomb shelter, which also doubles when they blow up the neighborhood. You're saying Mm -hmm. so. Yeah. (laughs) I'm sorry, you were going to say about the Houston power building. Oh, but they have the similar. So like the the, the only Mm -hmm. way is if someone had elected to be on that fixed rate billing. Mm-hmm. So, like I said, you know they're gonna fix. They're gonna change that now. Oh, after yeah. that, yeah. yeah, yeah, oh yeah, that upper limit is going to be removed from the contract. Yeah. Yeah. And and I mean, uh, there was the the app based uh, power disruptor in Texas, Gritty, that everybody got to hear about too. That just did straight wholesale power sales, right? So just whatever the market was selling power at that day, they would just pass the savings on to you. And I mean, there was real horror stories around that of people getting charged, you know, one person got charged $2,500 for one day. Um, one person, $7,000 over the first two days. Uh, there was a resident, uh, this a Dallas resident, who was 63 year old retiree on social security was charged $16,752. And one of the things that, uh, gritty did was you could do direct payment like out of your bank account. So Gritty yeah, just oh my God, no. reached into this retiree's bank account and just took all the fucking money. And as the guy said, he's like, oh, I'm, I'm wiped out. I'm done. He says, quote, my savings is gone. There's nothing I can do about it, but it's broken me. That's yeah. incredible. I was just going to say, I mean, that's the first thing that went to my head is like with these app companies, they're, they've got your credit card. Like... That, the first thing I was going to say, like, is if that, I mean, I know what I would do if I saw on my app that I was being charged, I would immediately cancel the credit card that I had, like, forget, yeah. like, trying to take it out of the app. This is something I've done with app companies, actually. Um, uh, Lyft once, no, Reach Now, yeah, once thought I owed them, like, $600 because the car I drove was parked improperly and got towed and then sat in a <laughs> lot for weeks. And they kept insisting... <laughs> I kept insisting that that was my problem, and so I just literally canceled the credit card that they had, and and uh, anyway, that was the end of that. Uh, I don't get to use that app anymore, but uh, they never got their money, which is really, if somehow anyone in Texas is hearing this, um, don't ever pay these people if you can possibly. That's That's horrendous, like that guy getting ripped off like that. I mean, obviously, he should you know, hopefully there'll be some kind of legal action. Like the idea that they can just go in too. And like on any given day, not like a scheduled day, 
uh, like a monthly draw, you know, that somehow that's in the fine print of when you sign up for these apps, these like tech uh, terms of service, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, well, we can just take our what you owe us at any time because we have your bank info is really fucking yeah. sinister. But again, it's like just one tiny part of this that is unregulated among every part of it that's unregulated. That's just part of the disrupting, Greg. <laughs> oh, my God. That's horrifying. It's the first thought I had that that was that yeah. people would just get like it taken before they could even protest. Well, yeah. in Gritty, I mean, one of the interesting things was there was somebody who they wanted to charge like six grand to or whatever, and their bank had some weird stipulation about having to have a certain amount of money in your account. So they basically stopped Gritty short of the last $200 in their account, right? So they didn't get to wipe the whole account. And the person was like, well, I guess I got 200 bucks left, you know? Like, yeah. that's all I got. So it, it really is a horseshoe. And, you know, Gritty had, told, had quote unquote warned people that they should switch to different uh, a different power retailer but there was people who were like, you know, I tried to jump off of Gritty like the Friday before the storm, but they were like, oh, sorry, can't go, can't do this till the next business day. And so basically got charged for, you know, a full day on Gritty, which is like seven grand, you know. Um, so it's it's a horror show. Chewy, did, did you get your, anybody in San Antonio get their power bill yet? You know? No, not not to my knowledge. Even like the because also having a owning a business here in San Antonio, we had we always leave lights on uh, in uh, at the mm-hmm. bar and stuff. So we're gonna get. I'm gonna get double. Reads, well, that's but. just to like uh, dab on people, though, right? You know, you just leave lights on all the time. Yeah, just to like look what we can do. It's a flex. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but no, we we haven't gotten it yet. No one, no one's got it yet. But um, yeah, I'm just bracing for it. Yeah. yeah, and the thing well, is, well, that's the small business tyrant perspective, everybody. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, the big thing is, is like you know, in San Antonio, you you, know, you guys are going to get probably the best version of this yeah. huge power bill. But of course, yeah, spread over ten years, it's I mean, they're going to get the money out of you eventually, right? Oh yeah, oh yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, that's probably the smart thing for CPS to do because they will actually get the money. Then <laughs> that that is. I mean, yeah, Gritty's not going to get this money out of people. Like, you know, they just, people just don't have this much money, especially in Texas. And, I mean, it's it's a classic situation. It's kind of like the medical debt situation the U.S. is in, where it's like, you just want to yell at people, like, just stop paying Just for don't this. pay. Do not yeah. pay. Yeah, like, you know, you're going to have to force some sort of crisis in the system to get the debt wiped out. But if you, you know, start paying it in any way, like you're fucked. You know? What's worse? They hound you for the rest of your life for it and try to garnish your wages, even take you to court, send you letters, fuck up your credit, or you give them $30,000. Like, which of those is worse? Like, uh, yeah. I, very clearly, uh, the second one is worse. Just keep keep every dollar you can. Let them take it out of you at the uh, by court order, like a dollar at a time, you know? Yeah. Eventually they can't, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's just really, really um, fucking disgusting. And, you know, on top of all that shit, this whole storm, because again, because Texas cities aren't prepared for this and there's no regulatory infrastructure forcing anybody to prepare for this. And also just people in general aren't prepared for this in Texas because who expects seven-degree weather in San Antonio? Uh, I, hadn't seen, I didn't see snow as a kid till I was 13 years old and we drove to Indiana one time in the winter. Um it's like idea. Me, I'd never seen a flat space larger than like a ball field yeah. until I was uh, <laughs> 10 and went to Texas. Yep, exactly. Right. <laughs> and so, you know, just to give people an idea what weather's normally like in San Antonio, but there was a massive destruction of infrastructure from the storm, not just on the power side. I mean, we talked about the water utilities. 
but people, you know, th- <laughs> thousands of people in San Antonio alone have burst pipes in their houses. Um, Jesus. You know, my parents grew up in, you know, very cold Indiana winters. So they knew to run out to the street because they knew all the water lines weren't insulated. So they ran out to the street, turned the water off at the street level and then drained all their water lines in the house. Yeah. But their neighbors water pipes busted and basically flooded their house, which good job, mom and dad, not warning the neighbors. But, wow. You know, love, love to have love a community. Yeah, I love to live in a community. But I mean, honestly, they probably just didn't even think about it. But, uh, you know, burst pipes all over. I mean, if you're a plumber in Texas right now, this is your windfall. Um, yeah. Oh, my God. They must be working around the clock. Uh, Home Depot. I would see pictures of uh, people posting because they would try to go get pipes. Uh, like it looked it was like pandemonium. It was like it was just full of like you could see people with like this like plumbers with like a like a scroll worth of like list of what they need to buy. So, oh, I, yeah, I think just recently the Home Depot is like slowly, like fully stocked again. Yeah. It's like just like, I'm talking like this week. <laughs> Plumbers are probably fist fighting in the fucking aisles of our shit. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it, it was really crazy. Uh, there was also this really insane story, which I think you told me you'd seen Chewy yeah. of an apartment that caught on fire in San Antonio and the fire department just staring at it. Cause no water was running. So they couldn't put it out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> do, do you have any more details on that? Chewy? I, th- I think they, the only thing I know is they suspect that the fire started because someone uh, was messing with the generator. Like they bought a mm-hmm. generator to try to get power. And then I don't know what happened after that. I mean, it would make sense yeah. though. Like how are you going to fight the uh, fire? Found one of those double ended plugs and tried to run their house grid off the generator and <laughs> something went wrong. Yeah. yeah I mean, probably. Yeah, yeah. And, and the thing was is that, uh, yeah, I mean, it's this really just topic like footage of like all these firefighters just standing and staring at this building is it literally burns to the fucking ground and you just look at all the other apartment which also for people in the seattle area our main listener base to understand uh apartment complexes in san antonio are not like seattle like one apartment complex will have like 600 units in san antonio and like 20 buildings you know um so you're looking at all these other buildings and be like wow Hope none of those other buildings catch on fire because there's literally nothing anybody can do about it. Everybody's just staring. You know? uh, Incredible. Yeah, it's good to live in a first world country, right? <laughs> <laughs> so there's these enormous infrastructure costs beyond just the power infrastructure that got damaged, but enormous, you know, just regular day to day infrastructure that's going to have to be replaced at, you know, considerable cost because of this, uh, I mean, quite frankly, uh, man made disaster. <laughs> But beyond that, I mean, there were some deaths, too. I think you looked into some of the the Chewies, our, our, our actuary. Yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> wow. um, well, th- they're not completely done with the count, but they it's around 70 people right now. Mm-hmm. And it'll probably grow once Sounds low. they have everything. In. Well, here's, here's like for context, the average amount of people that die in the entire United States due to the cold is 32 yeah. So we're already like double. A year. Yeah, a year, <laughs> a year. So just within like one week, we we're we're gonna exceed well over seventy, I'm sure. But um, yeah. And then there's the I think uh, that story about that little boy in Conroe dying made a lot of national news. But there's some there's other stories of like yeah. people uh like there's a I think he was a gentleman he had some sort of stroke so he was already on these medical machines at his house and then when the power went out for an extended period of time, he had another severe stroke and died just because he yeah. couldn't keep his machines on. 
Yeah, I mean, it's really tragic. I mean, for people who didn't see the national coverage of the kid in Conroe, I mean, it was this 11-year-old boy who his whole family moved into one room to try and, you know, conserve warmth. And he was sleeping on the floor in a bed with his younger brother, and the kid just fucking froze to death. You know? Incredible. Um, and yeah. basically, the family is filing suit against ERCOT essentially for not providing what they said they provide, which is power. Right. And the Texas Supreme court is, I guess next month or soon basically deciding whether or not ERCOT is entitled to sovereign immunity, basically meaning are they like indemnified as a, uh, you know, state operator from lawsuits. But the thing is, is ERCOT claims that it's not subject to regulation because it's not, it's a private entity and not a state entity, right? Except for when it comes to lawsuits, in which case then it's definitely a state entity <laughs> and not subject to lawsuit. And the reason why the Texas Supreme Court is hearing this case is from a previous lawsuit against ERCOT uh, from when somebody died during a blackout. Um, but it's, you know, really tragic shit. And the reality is, nobody's going to know how many people died during this. Uh, there's So here was from an emergency room doctor in Houston uh, talking to the Daily Beast. He says, they've seen at least 100 patients with carbon monoxide poisoning in the last 48 hours. Yep. This increase in cases of carbon monoxide poisoning is a mass casualty event and part of the larger public health disaster that Houston is currently facing. Most and people who, if you get into a, like, carbon monoxide problem most people just die they don't make it to a hospital a kid, yeah. i mean and if, you got, if you're causing a problem of carbon dioxide in your home by trying to heat it in some way that is not designed to like bringing your barbecue inside when you don't know how this works that's going to kill you very fast mm -hmm. um and like so if a like even just getting into that situation at all means a lot of people are dead like because yeah. not many people are going to make it to the emergency room. Yeah, I that. mean, there's this uh, there's this British doctor who wrote a book about like the first years of revolutionary China and his like working in revolutionary China. That's a great book about, too, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Away with all past, I fantastic. I, you, I think you gave it to me. I think I, I saw gave that it. book yeah, to everybody. Yeah. It rocks. Yeah, it's so good. But at one point, he talks about like this real tragedy in China about how China is this undeveloped, uh, purposefully underdeveloped country due to British imperialism uh, that has been left to rot. And one of the signs is they always have these carbon monoxide deaths from poor peasants who are freezing, who are starting fires in their, you know, small improvised houses and essentially dying of carbon monoxide poisoning. And he's talking about this as this horrendous sign of the feudal conditions that like Europeans had created mm -hmm. in China through the most brutal and like centuries of the most brutal imperialism. And Texas managed to do the exact same thing just by passing some legislation and doing this to the, to the power. Yep. I mean, it's truly disgusting. Uh, the Bear County Sheriff, so Bear County is where San Antonio, the County of San Antonio is in. And the Bear County Sheriff was uh, basically tasked with doing the wellness checks to find the dead bodies. And, you know, Shortly after the storm, you know, he had a list of 21 people that he was saying had died from uh, from the storm. And when asked about it, you know, the sheriff, he described the number of deaths as unprecedented, urged people to check in with relatives and then said, quote, I'm a firm believer that at this very moment, there are people lying dead inside homes that we still haven't discovered. And the thing that that made me think of is like, this is very Katrina-esque. 
Yep. And that we're just going to know a lot of people died and we'll never know how many because nobody's interested in finding out, you know? Uh, yeah. You know, and um, I mean, and one last just in this very, I'm sorry, sad uh, portion of the show is there was a woman at the uh, city sanctioned homeless encampment in Austin who froze to death in her tent. And it just highlighted that, you know, Texas, like every state in the country, including uh, good blue Washington and very progressive Seattle, thinks the homeless are bugs or less than bugs. And God only fucking knows how many homeless people died during the storm. And Jesus you'll Christ. never fucking yeah. know. That's all another of thing you'll never know. Yeah. You know, Presumably, I mean, it, I mean, if it was down to seven degrees for days, like during the day, yeah. like how do you survive in that? Then yeah. anyone who was out on the street unhoused, uh, huge numbers of them. I mean, some some plurality of them probably are dead now. Yeah. Probably they I'm sure some people made it into, you know, shelters of some kind. But yeah, a lot. Yeah. And I remember uh, for context, you know, back in like 2000, when I first moved to Seattle, like 2007, 2008, I was working on a condo project in Queen Anne. And there was like a like a sort of wooded area behind the condo since the middle of winter. And one day the superintendent found a homeless person who had frozen to death back there. Right. And so we called, you know, the, you know, uh, they sent out like an ambulance and stuff. Right. And, you know, it was like a big to do on the job site. And I very specifically remember checking the paper for a few days. And of course, on a slow news day, a homeless guy dying in one of the richest cities that's ever fucking existed that has 11 billionaires living in it didn't even make any element of the paper. Now, imagine in a situation like Texas where this like huge event has happened, uh, you know, the fact that it probably killed hundreds, maybe thousands of, you know, that's never even going to (laughs) <laughs> that's not even to hit the radar of a newspaper so I mean, just no. another way of how fucking hor- like the wealthy as always will make a lot of money and the poor as always will die and this just seems to be the repeat story of the US but yeah sorry to bring it down <laughs> <laughs> but I mean yeah <laughs> yeah okay um, so go on oh I was just gonna say I mean maybe you know let me bring it back up, guys. I'm sorry. I bummed everybody out. And, uh, you know, let me help. Let me bring it back up. The homeless might have died by the score. Um, people might have been getting carbon monoxide poisoning. Um, you know, all these horrifying things were happening. Fires were getting started, uh, burning people's houses down, destroying everything they've ever owned in the world. At the exact same time, they're getting hit with massive power bills. But it wasn't all bad news. No, it wasn't. Macquarie Group, yeah, Macquarie Group, which owns natural gas pipelines across the country, uh, shortly after the storm announced to their investors that their annual profit is likely to increase by 5 to 10% due to the storm alone. Uh, They're estimating their profit from the storm at somewhere between $213 to $400 million. And uh, investors are saying they think that might be an understatement at this point. Uh, Comstock Resources, a, another utilities company, this one owned by Jerry Jones, owner of the Cowboys, uh, their CFO told its investors after the storm, quote, we were able to get super premium prices for natural gas, and that's going to pay off handsomely. He then referred to the winter storm as, hey, guys, it's like hitting the jackpot. <laughs> uh 
So I don't want to make it sound like it was all doom and gloom. Uh, Some people made out like bandits. Awesome. God. I, uh, I, I think I can think of some fitting ways for those people to die. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, and I mean, the, the comparisons to COVID are hard to avoid at this point, right? Of yeah. kills 500,000 people, almost all of them, you know, no rich people are dying from this. Just all poor people and shit like that. Uh, yet, if you look at the, like, all the billionaires made out like bandits, <laughs> you know, the worst companies in the world all are richer now because COVID happened. And it's almost like there's something weird happening in America <laughs> that makes this the case. Yeah. What could it be? Yeah. Yeah. Woo. Should we get the guns out of our mouths, guys? Uh, yeah. Um, so, <laughs> I mean, just, it's, I mean, it's just like COVID. Like, who do we blame? Like. Yeah. And, you know, the governor, because he doesn't appoint the board of ERCOT, is claiming that ERCOT's to blame are, you know, government, you know, uh, Greg Abbott, uh, Dan Patrick, the lieutenant governor who wants to run for the primary to be governor uh, next year. He's blaming the PUC because that's, you know, board is appointed by the governor, um, you know, in state legislatures who are just trying to figure out who's going to be in charge of the Republican Party in Texas are just sort of taking sides based off of that. Uh, but the reality is the whole fucking thing is to blame like the the there is no there's no dial to tweak on the texas power grid like it's a doomsday machine designed to do exactly what just happened um wait are we sure this isn't antifa thugs to blame though have we looked into <laughs> yeah. that is there a has committee it, on that chewy i'm gonna ask you a serious question. has that theory been uh put up yet i'd no. be shocked honestly if no. nobody's put it up yet i i wish but no I mean, no 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 chewy's got an alibi apparently so <laughs> I, I was actually at Antifa HQ in LA. That's where I. That's why I missed it. So yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, Run, running things from headquarters. Right. Yeah. yeah. With our well, j- showing. Even Antifa was caught off guard, right? <laughs> yeah. We our our uh, weather manipulator machine wasn't quite ready. We were still in the beta process. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know. I do remember after Hurricane Katrina, I having this conversation with a very weird conversation with this guy who was telling me about uh, weather machines based out of Alaska uh, called, you know, the Harper Ray was firing uh, weather weapons into the atmosphere to create hurricanes. And that uh, that was what happened with Katrina is they wanted this like massive hurricane to kill all the poor people in New Orleans. And I was Checks like, you know, I was like, honestly, that's a better explanation of what happened <laughs> than you got from any newspaper, to be sure. Uh, but you know, when people ask like, how do why do people believe these crazy things? I mean, look at the look at this world, right? Um, and to give an example, the New York Times in their big story on what happened in Texas, I they had this very particular framing that just really rubbed me raw. So let me just read the the whole quote here, which is. In theory, experts said there are technical solutions that can avert such problems, uh, meeting the equipment freezing. Wind turbines can be equipped with heaters and other devices so that they operate in icy conditions, as is often done in the upper Midwest where cold weather is more common. Gas plants can be built to store oil on site and switch over to burning the fuel if needed, as is often done in the Northeast where natural gas shortages are common. 
Grid regulators can design markets that pay extra to keep a larger fleet of backup power plants in reserve in case of emergencies, as it's done in the Mid-Atlantic. But these solutions all cost money, and grid operators are often wary of forcing consumers to pay extra for safeguards. And I think this is the framing we're going to get about the Texas storm, which is the reason this happened is consumers just love a good bargain. Yeah. (laughs) You know, uh, consumers build the power grid. They create all the legislation for it. Uh, So really, it's their fault when shit doesn't work out. Um, Just giving the people what they want. They're voting with their dollar, and that's and democracy is working. Yeah, and it's it's pretty horrifying. Chewy, what have you talked to anybody? Like, what what are people in te- where your friends saying about this? Uh, Brian doesn't have any more friends in Texas. So yeah, I know. I'm the last. Oh, one. I don't have any more. I don't have any more friends. Period. It's yeah. just me and Greg. Maybe that's <laughs> it. <laughs> um, you know, I think right now everyone is just trying to go back to normal, so to speak. Cause there's a lot mm-hmm. of people I knew who's yes, like houses, the pipes burst. I think even like, uh, the, cause I mean, I just myself just got back, uh, last Tuesday to Texas, but, uh, H- the, the grocery stores are barely at like par, like with like accessibility to the whole gamut of groceries. Yeah. Meaning still, by the way, 10,000 times better than any Seattle grocery store. But yeah. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> But um, but every I think everyone's just kind of uh, getting back to normal and wrapping their head around it. Like I had a friend who um, I didn't even think about it till I was catching up with him. But he had COVID and he was getting like peak, like the worst symptoms right when this happened. So he was telling me the story that I would have freaked out. But he was having the breathing problems right when Shit. he had no electricity <laughs> and you know, the oh, roads Jesus. are icy. So he was telling me, he was like, I thought I was going to die. Like he was saying he, he, cause you know what people would do a lot of times is go into their car and just to warm up and charge their phone for a bit. So he was saying he was like just bundled up in his apartment shivering and he was looking at YouTube videos on like breathing exercises. Cause he was trying to like relax or just to try to get a handle on his COVID symptoms while he's also freezing to death basically. So yeah. that, that was the, uh, I think after that, I think everyone's just right now, like the roads are open. We can get groceries again without having to, yeah, like get a sawed off shotgun and wear bondage yeah. gear and get in my turbocharged <laughs> car to go get it. Yeah. So uh, the, the only thing I already kind of see about this, like how we were saying like nationwide, it seems everyone's forgotten about this is when Abbott announced all the COVID restri- restrictions mm-hmm. were removed. Mm-hmm. I had a few friends who I normally consider pretty level headed. They like were posting on Instagram, like, yeah, like independent, like with a picture of the Texan <laughs> flag. And like, I, I just responded to them. You gotta like, be kidding to, me. Yeah, no, like this, this disconnect. And so I, one of them, I was like, a, I don't like to engage in a ton of online debate, especially with friends, but he's pretty, he's got, he's pretty good about that. And I was just kind of like, yeah, how was that independence last week when you didn't have electricity? And then he was kind of, he was kind of like, oh, well, yeah, that's true. But like already, like, like already it's, it's kind of, it's like out of sight, out of mind, you know, like it's, I, it's weird. It's, it's mind. It's not actually mind boggling. That's about on brand for Texans. Yeah. yeah. In America. When I yeah. And I think, yeah, I mean, I think one that it's the classic problem that people just have no framework to really understand. Like nobody in Texas understands the how the power grid works or how people are making money off it and all this kind of stuff. Um, 
Not me though. I I did earlier. I did not have to do a ton of research to figure it out. <laughs> right. That's for sure. Came naturally. But, yeah. Naturally, yeah, exactly. Um, but the other part of it, I mean, this goes back to the uh, the thing that Naomi Klein used to talk about about you know disaster capitalism, right? right. Which is yeah. when you create these disasters that really discombobulate people, right? Like, how can you have time to think about? how much you just got fucked in this disaster when you your house is flooded and you're trying to find some way to you know get your pipes fixed and replace all the drywall and how are you going to pay for it when you know this utility bill is coming like it just throws so much in your face that there's no ability to understand what happened and there's no ability to understand you know what you could even do about it even if uh, you did get it you know even if you didn't know what happened right it's uh, uh, probably enough to give you the correct impression that there's nothing you can do about it <laughs> yeah i mean that's the other part too i mean i, I think it, you know truly you can you can uh definitely uh, give your two cents on this but uh my impression growing up in texas always was that it's fucking pointless. Nothing you do in Texas politics is ever going to change anything or do anything. The game is 100% rigged. Uh, who gives, you know, so you just, that was just cut out of my brain. Like, who cares about local elections? Who cares about national? Like, who gives a shit, right? <laughs> you know, yeah. You want to th- you want to put that ballot in the box? You just put it, might as well put it in your own trash can. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> but what, what were your thoughts on that? I mean, I don't want to, I want to characterize everybody as horrified, uh, you know, nihilists like me, but. Um, that's not too far. I think that's more like our generation though. Cause just being like in the bar business, we have like younger staff members sometimes. And in <laughs> the truth, I tell her all 15 years old. Yeah. yeah, let, yeah. High school <laughs> yeah. let the record show that. <laughs> um, but I would still say overall, that's still pretty much the prevailing. It is that nihilist. It is like, well, what's going to happen? I mean, even I feel that way. I feel like what have we learned? It's nothing nothing's going to change. Yeah. Like it's, it's, this is going to happen again and again and again. Yeah. And I think, you know, one of the things that I saw, I saw online that was most dispiriting as far as like, what's the big I learned for this and what's going to happen is somebody had posted a like thread of all the Texas politicians over the summer who were pointing at rolling blackouts in California and saying, uh, that's what happens when you let Democrats run a power system or whatever, right? Uh, and then I was like, you know, I bet and they were sort of dancing on that and being like, what are you going to say about it now, Ted Cruz or whatever? As if Ted Cruz is the one suffering in this whole thing, right? And I remember thinking, I bet you I can find an exactly parallel supercut of California politicians dancing on the Texas, you know, blackout during the storm, right? And being like, that's what happens when you let Republicans, you know, be in charge of this. And neither side realizing they're literally getting fucked by all the same people in exactly the same way and exactly, and they're both states are in exactly the same predicament and just trading off between seasons where summertime is the Texas politician time to gloat. And then winter comes around time for California to gloat, Mm -hmm. right? And with nothing ever fundamentally changing. And I had mentioned this to, to Chewy the other day, but and you guys can, you know, sort of <laughs> chime in how accurate you think this might be. But I think it's infinitely more likely that every power grid in America looks exactly like the Texas grid does now in 10 to 15 years than it is that uh, any state in this country has some grand realization that utilities are, you know, important to keeping people alive and we should regulate them again. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah. 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 That's all anything. The only sort of grist 
that anything has in America is how it can be sort of lamely uh, politicized for partisan ends, basically, that it can fit into each group of perverts like bespoke little worldview that has nothing to do with anything real, like instantly yeah. without any effort, really. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, I, and it, it is worth pointing out that, you know, the Texas deregulatory regime regarding power was running parallel to a national deregulatory regime. And lots of states have, you know, they haven't gone as far as Texas, but they have gone pretty far down the road of uh, essentially fully deregulating the utilities, uh, including Oregon State, by the way, who experienced blackouts during the that same week that Texas did. Uh, and as well in Mississippi, I think it was in Jackson, Mississippi, the uh, blackouts caused by the polar vortex created such a havoc with their water system that they like didn't have potable water for like two weeks. Like they're boiling water for weeks. Um, you know, this is like I said, uh, power, power and rolling blackouts and things like that. That is uh, that's our future. Like we're going to look more like Baghdad than uh, <laughs> than the U.S. in 1975 or whatever. Right. Uh, and you know, it's, it's, uh, it, it doesn't feel good looking down that, but I think that's the reality. Yeah. That our economic policies in this country are the equivalent of bombing. Yeah. 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 And, uh, and like I said, I mean, the fact that a lot of companies made a lot of money off of this, there was just a big article, I think in the Texas Tribune that was about all the windfalls that everybody made, uh, off of this. And some people are going to point out that certain utilities like Brazos Electric, it basically had to file for bankruptcy. And let's say, look, I mean, some people won and some people lost. Therefore, this couldn't be the uh, manipulations of the market by utility companies and gas providers and stuff. And it's like, but isn't this how this always works? I mean, some banks lost in the housing bubble, right? Uh, that's a, right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, this is how speculative bubbles work, right? I mean, that's why they called it a casino, you know? Uh, but yeah, the, yeah, the dumber money lost. And yeah. The, the bigger, and, smarter money won. I mean, like, yeah. Yeah. And the Brazos utility will just get swallowed up probably by Luminant or somebody, you know, some bank will come in or some, you know, private equity firm will come in. Right. And, they'll, and, they'll get, right. It's, just more consolidation and monopolization like so it's good for the people on top you know like yeah lehman brothers getting taken out with the stroke of a pen was good for the rest of the banks you know yeah yeah or uh you know uh <laughs> washington mutual losing a very minor amount of money and then that being used as an getting, excuse to hand yeah. it to chase you know like for like two cents on the dollar <laughs> yeah just so getting balanced right <laughs> yeah yeah, these were, I mean, these were just, you know, I mean, it'd be interesting to see if there's anything like that going on with these power companies here um, that were. But in both of those cases, I mean, yeah, this was just the uh, the the banks that were in power in Washington collusion, colluding with the federal government to just say, nah, you don't get to exist anymore. Fuck you. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And, you know. And I understand that kind of the it's hard on a uh, without a million charts uh, on a podcast to show one how the Texas power system is laid out and exactly how insane it is. But uh, people that are that have questions are curious. I mean, they should DM the show DM at mechanical freak or whatever. And, uh, 
you know, because at some point I think we might do, have to do a follow up on this where we talk about who who the real winners turned out to be, what the consolidation looked like, and uh, we can take some of those questions. But yeah, it's it's a horrifying story. <laughs> yeah. All right. Made well, me, made me feel bad to learn. Yeah, about I feel it. real bad. Um, <laughs> God. Like, like, there's no. That, how are you doing, Chewy? You feel? How, how did this whole experience treat you? Um, I had a pipe burst in my detached laundry room, guys. So no. it, it hit me hard. Yeah, I had to yeah. oh, uh, cap it, which took like. 30 minutes at most. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, look, even, even the small business tyrants, tyrant suffers in these uh, times. Yeah. I felt, so. I felt like the common man for once. I, under, I understand the plight now. Uh-huh. Yeah. But, but you only treat it with contempt though. After understanding and you're like, mm, don't want that. Not at all. <laughs> no, then I'm going to make it seem like, uh, yeah, I'm going to make that like seem equal to everyone else's struggle and be like, I, I too had problems and I, I just uh, pulled myself up from my bootstraps and did it myself. So, Oh god! There's gonna be so many Texas politicians are going to run on exactly that platform, Chewy. Yeah, or basically me. This is me announcing my candidacy for uh, House for House Speaker or (laughs) House Representative (laughs) for Texas. Uh, Who knows, man? Weird things have happened in Texas. Uh, Okay, so this has been our special presentation of Texas Sucks. Get on the Patreon. There is uh, more content every week. There's a second episode every week on Patreon. Plus, uh, yeah. Texas Sucks is going to, you know, if we can, uh, if they're not too bummed out by this, Chewy and Brian are going to, you know, continue to produce some episodes of Texas Sucks as bonuses yeah. on the Patreon. Yeah, to uh, uh, cheer ourselves up, uh, Chewy proposed to me that we should do a whole episode on sundown towns just to cheer us up know, from this yeah. excursion. <laughs> Ooh, Jesus. But, Jesus Christ. But we are planning, Mechanical Freak is planning on doing more kind of interesting out there content like this beyond just Texas Sucks and stuff. So definitely go on Patreon. Get on the uh, Patreon. But we'll also Yeah, let's have, do the punk you know, rock episode. That's one's actually super fun. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> on Patreon only. It's about punk rock. It's not really about the bad shit, you know. <laughs> Wait, Moon, yeah, I, I think that is the bad shit. That's the problem. <laughs> I mean, yeah. And that might have been a bait and switch, to be honest with yeah. you. But yeah, go on the Patreon, uh, you know, sign on up, see all the hot content. We have at least five thousand a backlog of at least five thousand episodes on Patreon right now. This episode will be more of our standard Seattle sucks type content. So uh, tune into that. Or we'll just talk about the Royals. I don't know. Um, <laughs> well, I guess that's up to Cassidy. Uh, so, yeah, we'll see you then, everybody. Bye. 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 Bye.